Coach, thanks for joining me today for this Simple Coach to Coach interview. You're second. I mean, you're becoming a mainstay. So yeah, Usually um, people don't have me back for a second anything, so I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Seconds, dinner, no, you don't get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, thank you. Thanks. I really thank do you. appreciate it. Hey, the, the, first, the first question that I have, this is, I mean, all other questions pale to this one. How awesome was that assistant referee that you saw in that game? Wasn't he just stellar? Like, I mean, pegs above everybody. It, it wasn't just his eye for the game, his, his, his fleet of foot, how quickly he was getting up and down the line was impressive. Um, you know, not every AR is as fit as every other AR. Um, and you know it when you see it, and I saw it that day. So if you ever get in touch with that guy, um, let, let him know that I would love to have him work some of our games. Yeah, I might be able to make a call. Okay. <laughs> That's great. No, it was great seeing you. <laughs> yeah, it was great seeing you, like I was saying earlier. Um, I, I, for those who don't know, there were like three, I think three complexes. There's the main one that PDA was at, um, you know, the, the two main ones. And then there was Rutgers, and then there was this one where we were Iron at, Peak. I, Iron Peak. And um, I know, because I did Saturday, I was at the main complex, and there was just gobs of coaches, like... You know, everyone looking at the same games, 70, 80 coaches all lined up, all looking at these games. And um, and then Iron Peak, I wasn't expecting anybody because it was just a showcase for non-ECNL, I guess. I don't know yeah. how that worked. No, but, that, that, that's it, yeah. Um, and after the first game, I was thinking about, like, just sort of starting to put out a brought you know do something on anti-social media and just say they're diamonds in the rough here like if you're you know you're looking for this is the place to come because otherwise you know to me it's great that quality is great but if everybody's competing over the same players like how do you rise above that but no for uh, sure some of the yeah. best soccer and games i saw were were at not just at pda but we're at yeah. iron peak we're at Rutgers, and Rutgers, like yeah. you said it's there's so much talent spread out and it's not to say that, you know, the ECNL doesn't exist for a reason. I understand it. And, but like you said, if you're one of two coaches or three coaches sitting on a sideline versus one of 25, yeah. there is a bit of a, a potential to, to find someone that not everyone's seeing play live. So, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's jump right into this. Without me prompting or – and I didn't ask you this um, on the sidelines. Give me a sense of how you think your season went. Uh, you know, it, it, the further away from it you get, the more, um, the more perspective you can take in. For me personally, I was really proud of our team and because of, for the second year in a row, it was a really kind of shock and tough ending to the season. The closer you are to that ending, the harder it is for everybody, the coaches included to really see the positives. You know, we were in double overtime and two minutes from the game going to PKs, which isn't ideal, but still better than a loss. And, you know, we, we, we give up a ball at midfield. The girl takes it on a breakaway 60 yards and scores um, to lose in a semifinal at home for the second year in a row. So that part of it is, is awful. But when you go back to the season, you know, another lot, a lot of wins. Some of them could have been losses, but there were wins. Uh, you know, we, we, had a, we had a lot of games that were against really good teams. 
um, some wins against teams that we typically don't beat. Uh, you know, finishing top two in the conference again was great. Uh, seven all-conference players, three all-region players, our first ever women's soccer All-American. Um, you know, all of that, plus another successful year off the field academically. Um, you know, some really good off-the-field connections. We had 11 new first-year players. You know, we graduated wow. 11 from the year before. So a complete new personality group enters the team. And I thought our team chemistry was at its highest at the end of the year uh, in a long time. So you take into perspective all of that, and you're really proud of how it went. But, you know, you always you always want more, you know, unless you're yeah. winning that final game of the season. Every coach wants more. So it's a long answer to a short question, but uh, proud is the way I, I feel mostly yeah. for our, our team. Like I was saying, I th- that day, like you – I, I thought you played some great soccer, like collectively. Um, so yeah, just to reiterate, reiterate your point, you went fourteen and five. Mm-hmm. Um, you made it to the first round of the conference tournament, and then lost to Drew one nothing. Who, like three days or four days before, you had beaten one nothing at their place. Yeah, at their place. Yeah, and then you came back for the conference, and then you lost at home. Yeah. So. I'm going to ask like this, I mean, this obvious question, like I always like to do. What was the difference between the two games, right? You know, you go from not a wind, lot. Yeah. Not a yeah. lot. I mean, the reason the first game was one nothing, and the shots were pretty even and the possession was pretty even is because they're good. You know, Drew's mm-hmm. a really good team. You know, Krista's been there a really long time. She's one of the senior coaches in our conference. She's one of the senior coaches in our region, maybe even nationally, uh, someone I really respect. When I first came into coaching in the conference, one of the first people I really felt a connection to, she's got uh, a wealth of knowledge and experience, and she had her team ready to play that season. That was the best Drew team we had seen in years. Mm -hmm. Um, All season, anytime you watched them on film, you saw some immense talent. I think they had at least two, maybe three all-region players themselves they had a lot of first team all conference yeah. sorry about that um, including their uh including the coach's daughter who was mm-hmm. one of the better players on the field but um you know the the lights are brightest at home right literally and figuratively is a night game on the road you're you're sort of in that grind mode still right it's like mm-hmm. the season and then yeah. this postseason starts three days later it's the same team they didn't really change much and threw a lot at us. There were some opportunities we thought to to get after them on the counter to get out because they love playing attacking minded soccer. They throw numbers. Mm-hmm. They they go a lot of like two and three in the back at times, mm-hmm. which allows you to go ISO one on one or two on two. Mm-hmm. And there were some opportunities for us to score. We had a goal that was called back on a corner kick. We scored maybe twenty five minutes into the game. It was mm-hmm. a bit of an odd call in my mind, just for for the physicality of that game. It was a yeah. really physical game. Drew's big and strong and aggressive and. We knew that going in, and you know, you know how it goes in games. Yeah. Early on, you can tell: is it going to be called close? Is it going to be called, you know, not so close? And it wasn't being called close. And all of a sudden, we we score a goal on, you know, how corner kicks are. It's like a wrestling match in every single yeah. one. And <laughs> our player got a great angle, and there was some there were some hands, but there's hands on every corner kick. Yeah. She heads it in the goal, and it wasn't even hesitation. He he like blew his whistle right away. So that's that goal we had been getting all year. Yeah. You know, the first goal, and then we hold them off the board. That has been sort of our mo. Most of the season, it was our MO against them at their place the previous Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get it. We get all the way to overtime. And I'm sure I'm, you remember this call with me last year. The year previous, we go in the PKs. Both teams 
have 10 players take penalty kicks and you just never, ever want to do that again because <laughs> of the way it ended and just it's a disaster. And you're at home. You feel like you have better chances. You feel like so mm-hmm. we were a little chancy. We sent maybe one or two players forward on our corner kick than we should have. Mm-hmm. Sent a good ball in. Uh, their defender, uh, I think her name, oh, man, I forget her name. It was either Jesse or it was um, it was Kevitt, Sam. But one of their two phenomenal center backs gets up, heads it, clear. We play it back to our center back, who who's about to send a ball in. She takes one extra touch, and then their striker, uh, who's just one of the best strikers in our conference, she mm-hmm. strips her midfield, and she takes it 60 yards, does the, the most professional rounding of a goalie ever, and just passes it in the open net, and... And that was it. Two minutes left in the game. Oh, my gosh. Heartbreaker. So, you know, completely deflating. Uh, and it took me weeks and it took our team weeks to get over. But at the end of the day, um, they they earned it. They deserved it. They didn't give up a goal, and we did. And when it's a, when it's a sport like soccer, that's that's going to do it. So mm. I could probably tell you every detail of that game, as you can tell, <laughs> uh, minute to minute. Um, you know, but if you had told me we were going to be two seed with a really successful season – and, you know, losing the first round, I would have said that's pretty shocking because I didn't think we were going to get to a two-seed. Honestly, just the way our team makeup was going to be, some of the injuries we had earlier. and to so see your our expectations players... were super-seeded. Like, it was you just, you know, we, yeah. had the, we had talent in some returners, but we were only returning four starters from the year before. Yeah. We, and one of them was, yeah. like I said, an All-American but yeah. and, you know, two All-Region players. But I was just – I was really proud of our team because mm-hmm. as tough as it was, the, the, the attitude of seeing them all, you know, not – early in the morning on Monday, but throughout the day, Monday, just cycling in to get their lifts in, to get their runs in, you know, like the, the off season started on Monday for them. Um, yeah. you know, and there was an expectation or at least a, a possibility that we were going to get an at large bid with our record mm-hmm. and our strength of schedule. And the way I understand it, we were, we were pretty close. So we were sort of trying to prepare for that without expecting it. Um, and that was, that was a tough day too, when the selection show happened and, and we didn't get our name called because I thought we, we put together a resume and, and put ourselves mm. in a position to, to have a chance at it, but it just didn't fall our way. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. But, I mean, have you, have you been working on And then I just saw your latest schedule, the 2023. Like, are you, are you, are you keep being more mindful of that in terms of how do you prepare, how do you build a body of work in a season so that you can get that? You know, it's for some teams, it's a bit of a, of a luck of the draw. Like, mm-hmm. there's years in which we think, okay, this team's been well over 500 for several years. They've been regionally ranked. Those are the kind of teams you need to have on your resume, plus some national ranked teams and teams that go deep into the tournament. Mm-hmm. So that at the end of the year, when your resume is being measured against other teams, you either have wins or ties or even losses, but against high-level competition mm-hmm. that are considered widely good. And we put some of those on in 2021, and some of those teams just didn't have the best years for themselves, yeah. um, as we've not had in the past. Mm-hmm. So our, our rankings weren't quite as high. This past year, we sort of went for broke a little bit. We um, yeah. played Misericordia, who, as yeah. I'm sure you know, is oh one of the gosh. best teams in the country. Yeah. That was our first game of the year. Oh. Um, and we played tough against them. They were definitely the better team. We lost 2 nothing. You know, Mark's yeah. one of the best coaches in the country and had an amazing, amazing season. Actually, losing 2 nothing at the end of the year when you looked up. What they what they did throughout the season didn't that feel was so, that's not a bad that's no. not bad at all uh, right? and like, and honestly the two goals were phenomenal uh, yeah. you know their girl Fasolino scored one and then their their outside it was back hit a just rocket. a stunning ball player yeah they're they're her. just really good and then you know we we played Dickinson who mm-hmm. lost to the sweet to the to Hopkins in the yeah. Centennial final 
Um, we actually beat Dickinson for the first time in our school's history, and that's a phenomenal program. Ted does an unbelievable job with them to, to be even with them, and yeah. we had a very late-game win. It was one of the better wins we've had regular season in a long time from a team that's always competitive and always doing really good things, some really good players. Then we went down and played Christopher Newport, who was the reigning national champion. Uh, we played them and uh, Virginia Wesleyan back-to-back yeah. in that hey, tournament. let's make it Virginia- an easy trip. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a cool experience. Those facilities, yeah. those coaches, uh, you know, are fantastic. great. Their teams yeah. are phenomenal. You know, Christopher Newport, reigning national champion, Virginia Wesleyan went to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And even though we lost those two games, honestly, that Monday after those two games was when our team really figured out what we were made of, and we went on yeah. a, a real run after that. Yeah. Um, and had a really good, uh, really good uh, run until you even played Scranton. You won, except for Scranton, that you lost one nothing. Again, no, no slouch of a team. No. Like, you won every game at that yeah, point. We, you just went on a roll, literally. It, it was one of those things. We, we didn't give up a goal for 11 straight yeah. games. Which crazy. And some of that was manifested in yeah. the way we shaped ourselves going mm-hmm. into Christopher Newport. So we had a couple injuries. Mm-hmm. And on the bus, on the, on the way to Christopher Newport, the morning of the match, mm-hmm. we switched up our formation um, and went real, <laughs> like, heavy down the middle, clog it mm-hmm. up make them come after us, and, and we lost to them, but it was 2-1, and they scored with two minutes to go, you know, so we saw, okay, we can if we can keep this team at bay, and then the next day we were tired, but I still thought we played Virginia Wesleyan really well, let's 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 stick with this, and that's, that's a hard thing to do as a coach after two losses, mm-hmm. no matter who your competition is, to try and stick with something, yeah. and from there, um, and, and some of the teams we played in the mix throughout obviously weren't Christopher Newport, but I mean... To beat a team like York at their place, who I thought was phenomenal this year, yeah. Kelly's done an unbelievable job with that program. Um, to 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 have some of those wins, um, and and really find yourself in the mix against good teams. You know, Lycoming had a really good year this past year, yeah. and to beat them at their place. So it's it's hard to 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 measure your success while you're in it. Yeah, you know, and then you get to totally. the end of the year, and you're like, okay, there's there was a lot there that we that we did well. Um, and it was it was good. This is recorded, and this is the boss's question. Like, how would you assess your coaching this year? Um, not as good as it should have been. I think, especially in the final three or four games of the season. You know, you. I think I've said this to you before, and I forget who who I'm quoting when I say this. It's a famous coach, like Lombardi or something. But the hardest thing to do is, you know, when you're in a tough game to change what got you to the tough game, you know, because it's not working. Mm-hmm. So for the last three or four games of the year, the goals were really drying up. You know, we weren't like a high, high-scoring team all year, but we were we were getting two and three goals against teams. Then as you start getting to the end, it's like, okay, we're playing this very specific shape that's unique that not a lot of teams play against, and we're still getting goals out of it. The goals aren't working. Now's when you need to start changing it, yeah. right? But you're on an 11-game winning streak, 11-game shutout streak. You make that one change in like eight minutes into the game, pick up a goal. That's a little bit of, of coaching with fear, which I'm really mm-hmm. against, and I, and I should know better by now. But you also want to trust that your team can can figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to overcoach them. Like, okay, yeah. why, you know, don't fix it if it's not broken, that kind of thing. But I think there's a part of me that wishes I had done a little bit more analyzation and looked mm-hmm. back and been like, okay, yeah, we're not giving up goals, and we've won a couple of games, but – are, are, is this replicable when you get scored on, yeah. right? Like when you give up a goal, are you going to be able to score one in return? Because you haven't had to 
for 11 yeah. straight games, we didn't have to come from behind. Yeah. And you're not preparing your team for that. Team for if that, you're not, yeah. you know, no matter what you simulate in practice, no matter yeah. what you do. So that's where the Scranton game was really helpful for us. We felt tough after that game because we played as well a half as we've played against them. You know, they've been the mm-hmm. creme de la creme of oh, our conference yeah. for years and Just nationally ranked. Yeah. Colleen's done an incredible job getting them ready for the tournament every year. And to lose that game one nothing, and they cleared one off the line late on a, on a corner kick mm-hmm. we probably didn't deserve to get. But I would have taken the goal um, for a tie. <laughs> you know, I thought we battled back and played well in that game. But after that game, I really should have sat down with my assistant coaches and, and just broke down some film and said, we got we to gotta tinker with a couple other formation tweaks going in, even though I thought we played well. Just mm-hmm. because I think that's the due diligence that yeah. some coaches owe their teams. And I didn't. I don't think I performed. And I think the game against Drew was was a product of that. You know, um, mm. not that we should have changed anything. Not that we still couldn't have won playing our, the way we played all year. But not having that that second pitch, mm-hmm. you know, felt very, I felt responsible for that. And I felt, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I gave Drew a lot of credit because they they kind of knew it. They were like, if we score on this team, they haven't had to come from behind in a I while. Did. And when they have, they haven't been able to do it. Yeah. And I again, I give them all the credit in the world. They they. You know, I lost. I lost to a better coach that day, and yeah. our players deserved a little better. Yeah, it's interesting because now I'm looking at that. You're right. You go. I mean, your multiple goal games, the the six, seven games that you won. I mean, you only you had the two one nothing games against E Town and York, which I can. Ex- you know what? I get. And then you go. Catholic Muhlenberg, where you only win one, then you lose to Scranton, and then you're back to Drew with one goal. I've and looked you're at right. Every, you just named every game that I've looked yeah. at so hard since the season yeah. that I've just been kicking myself, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you're right. Like, maybe that was the time, right? Somewhere along any of those four games was the time to, like, revisit. But you're right. It's hard to do when you're like, oh, we still won one yeah. nothing. We still won. We still got the W. That's interesting. Oh, I and, can and go down. You know there. what my biggest regret is? This group I had this year was among the best teams to do it with, looking mm-hmm. back. I I, mm-hmm. I don't think I didn't do it because of that. But looking back, one of the advantages we had with this team was this is among the most coachable teams I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I had, no kidding, seven players playing completely out of position. Mm-hmm. from what they were used to, based upon injuries, based upon changing of shapes, based upon yeah. just where our talent versus where their positional comfortability yeah. was. Yeah. We had wings playing center mid. We had yeah. outside backs playing striker. We had wingers playing striker. Like We had all kinds of things, and they accepted it through and through, no questions. Well, they questioned the, the shape change the day of Christopher Newport. But that was so long ago, they sort of accepted it, you know? Like, they were just like, wait, you want us to change now? And I was like, trust me, you know? That, that's, a, that's a tough sell. But, you know, like, our, arguably our best attacking player was playing target striker, someone who loves to go face-to-face, 1v1, take it on the yeah. wing, and she's posting up all season for the first time, and oh she's gosh. doing it without question, you know? Yeah. Like, this was a team that I think could have handled – that little change. And it wouldn't yeah. matter a lot, but that little change that we should have yeah. done, you know, later in the season. It, and it could, right, like just psychologically, maybe it re-energizes the team, right? Because you do, you're playing like this grinding schedule and maybe you change something up, not so much for the change, 
but just to sort of re-energize them. Hey, something new, and this is how we're going to do it. And it gets them, and maybe, who knows what the results will be, but does it get you more goals? Does yeah. it make you a greater threat? And again, Scranton, does it put you in a position where you're where you're more aggressive? I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts would have been, but no, you're, or what you're, your changes would have been. But you're yeah. saying out loud what I was thinking, to be honest, yeah, and yeah. what I talked with with my assistant coaches, and you know, I don't, I don't think it was like it could have gone the other way, right? Yeah, just like a no, lot of those totally, games, yeah. Just like changing the formation could have been a disaster. I, I think soccer is this very unique sport where. There's so much attrition. There's so much like experimentation. You know, I, I always, whenever I have players who are, are a little down on themselves after, I call them mini failures, where it's like mm. you take a shot and you miss, and it's like yeah. the the best players you've ever heard of on the women's and the men's side, all the way up to the highest levels of professional, are if you want to look at it that way, failing so much of the game before they succeed. Yeah. You know, you look at. Someone like Rose Lavelle, who I consider to be one of the more creative attacking yeah, yeah. women soccer players I've ever yeah. seen, she gets stripped. I'd argue, I would argue, she's one of the best we've ever seen. Ever, but, she's so talented yeah. and she's so creative. And the best part of the way she plays is she's adventurous and she really, yeah. you know, she'll try a move, get stripped at midfield, get turned into a counter. She tries it five more times, and on the fifth one, that's the breakdown that draws yeah. the center backs to her. That's that slotted ball that she plays through, and they score like. I, I, I need our team to continue to play that way, and I think yeah. if, if I really want that from them, I need to be a little bit more like that sometimes. I'm such a defensive first coach. I always have yeah. been. That sometimes I find myself just being a little too keen in on that, and you know I need to continue to allow my players to be adventurous and, and push themselves. And if they're going to see it from the top down, then myself and my assistant coaches really need to exemplify that we're willing to be a little adventurous as well. Yeah. That's the courage part, right? Like, mm -hmm. be the, have the courage to do this stuff, knowing that. And I think some of it's probably cultural, right? We don't, we don't like failure, and, and you know, and I think in, you, probably every player has experienced that you make a mistake on the field at some point in your soccer journey, and you get yanked, right? Like, which is like the worst possible thing that could happen. Because then that, that gets burned, and whatever that mistake is, is burned in your head. It's no longer just something that could be fleeting. And yeah. so I, I could totally see that. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Um, let me um, – what what do you think you got? You went like I said. You went you went fourteen and five, and and really successful. Some great great soccer, and um, I the conference was really interesting. The landmark was really interesting when you 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 know just battle. We're there to battle and make these things a lot more difficult for for others. But what what do you what are you looking at? at the fall and sort of what, what things are you in your head thinking, Oh, this is something that we need to work on. I mean, being more creative in the way we attack, you know, we're very meat and potatoes in the way we attack. Sometimes it's a little too kick and runnish for my liking, mm -hmm. but we've got, we've got the players to play more creatively. Um, we're going to have to release players out of the midfield to play either as a second striker mm -hmm. or much more attacking minded, you know, we're going to have to, if we're going to stick with our, our current shape, be a lot more um, dynamic in some of our off-the-ball runs. 
Yeah. You know, just so much of our offense was created by frustrating teams into turnovers and then getting them on the and counter, then galloping. Yeah, 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 and and we had the we had the the depth for that. We had the speed and the, and the work rate. Mm-hmm. Um, we we scored a lot of goals on set pieces, and one of the players who scored them was was the girl Marley who just graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have we have some work to do there. Um, I also think we need to to reinvigorate the players who who turned in the success this past year. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. to do that. I've you know, I've never been lucky enough to have like a coming off like a multiple conference championships in a row or anything mm. like that, or even a national championship, nothing like that. But I can imagine those teams when they have success and what they do well. That's the hardest thing to keep sharp because yeah. it, it always seems they can just be relied upon, right? It's a switch yeah, that can yeah. be flipped. Yeah. And the thing that my assistant coach Ange always said this year that we were mm-hmm. at our best was, was we were relentless. You know the. The 11 players on the field were just absolutely relentless. I've never seen players run so much and so hard to be in as good a shape defensively as they could be constantly. Mm-hmm. That's something that can get lost a little bit if you all of a sudden tinker to go offensive in, a, in your shape, right, in your tactics to, mm-hmm. to release them. You can't let go of, of your bread and butter. For us, was really frustrating teams when they get into the middle and defensive third of the field. So how do you balance asking them to be more attacking minded while still demanding out of them the defensive mm-hmm. discipline. It's it's a hard it's a hard thing to convey. You have a vision for it. You, you have 10 days of preseason before you go and you play. I don't even know what Misericordia is going to be ranked, but it's going to be top 5 in the country when we yeah. head to their place to play them this yeah. year. Um how do you convey to them that throughout preseason and the two scrimmages you have that you're set and that you got it, and that you still have things to work on, but like you're you're good for that first game when yeah. you've asked them to change where they saw their success being. That's hard to do, and I think it's, it totally, totally, that's like secret sauce stuff. Like if yeah. you can capture that, man, you're ahead of the game because it is, it is like the key motive. Like how do you get these good girls motivated and confident in that? what they did eight months ago and sort of the build-up, the build-up and all the work, all the work is leading them to now you're at this level. You got this, right? And you go into a game like Misericordia with all the confidence in the world that that's a game you could take. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a balance too because you also don't want them to think about last year too much. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you don't want them thinking because it's a new team. Yeah. You know, we we're only graduated two starters uh-huh. out, of our, out of last year, but one of them is an All-American. Right, yeah. and one of them was a senior leader who on defense, and but it's still going to be different, especially if we change our formation up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you don't want them thinking, well, at this point last year we were this record and we had this many shutouts. Like you, you can't think that way, but you still mm-hmm. want them to be confident from last year. So it's again yeah. threading that needle with um, with with the, with a team that we're lucky enough to be a lot of returners, but like. That same, I want them to remember the confidence they had. I don't want them to remember the specifics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. It's hard to it, measure that. It could go both ways too, right? Like, you don't know what sits with them more. Yeah. Does it the fact that they were fourteen and five was they that great and had a great season? They beat, you know, they they won these games, or. I can't believe we lost to Drew one nothing in the right. Yep. Like which one of those, <laughs> you know, that to set the mind right. Like, I mean, uh, I can tell you for certainty, before we started overtime last year uh, against Drew, and I, I'm trying to push all this stuff out. You know, your anxiety's already high yeah. enough, but I have seniors coming up to me, not 
directly, but just being like, we ain't going to PKs today because of what had happened in PKs the year before. And I'm just like, why are you thinking about last year? But like, (laughs) but everyone's human. You know what I mean? It's not like I wasn't thinking about it. I just wasn't going to say it. But, uh, but that's the, that's the beauty of working with young people. It's like my favorite part of it. Like, I would instead of them all being robots and doing exactly what you uh, say, yeah. you have to coach them, you have to mentor them, you have to yeah. work with them, you have to cultivate yeah. their growth. And yeah. it's my favorite part of coaching by a mile yeah. is yeah. you work with people day in and day out who are who are asking for you to to help them on their journey through yeah. college, through soccer, yeah. through totally. growing up yeah. uh, to, to to the adults, the professionals they're going to be, and as tough as that final game was and the feeling afterwards, the way they interacted with each other this past off season, going into the spring season, the, the energy I feel from this team going into this upcoming, you know, summer off season and then the fall, Mm. it's incredible to see how mature and well they've handled that disappointment and how they've just insta turned it into fuel to to push them going forward. That's what that's, that's sort of what you need, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need you need the bar, and they sort of shown the bar. Look, this mm-hmm. is what we can do, and we can do better. And then have the fuel to be like, now we're gonna go. What's the next bar up, right? And, For sure. Um, that's awesome. I love hearing that stuff. It gives me kind of goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I, I'm assuming you're you're you're. Um, you're done, right? I mean, the school's school's done. You had graduation. You graduated two weekends ago. So two last week, weekend, yeah. what was last weekend? Memorial Day. The weekend Memorial, before Memorial yeah, Day. Yeah. So so it's quiet time for you in, on campus, right? <laughs> in, um, in comparatively, can, very very quiet. Yeah. You can find a parking space. In other words, is that... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have to knock on some doors and being like, hey, four of your players are taking up all the spots, and, unless they're my players taking up the spots. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about the spring, like? sort of what you were what what you were doing and and yeah just leave it at that so i i talk about the spring as always being a development more than any other time of year for our mm. for every individual you know it's great to be together as a team but we have so many players who go abroad every year so we had four players abroad yeah. um we have players who do two sports so they're missing the oh. spring as well and then obviously your seniors who graduated so yeah. trying to like develop your formation formally <laughs> Throughout the spring, plus the first years that are about to come in, in, you're you're basically operating with half your team, if 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 that, plus some injuries. So a lot of it's just you know staying sharp, being competitive. You do a lot of leadership building, which we've Mm -hmm. done. You do a lot of just you know seeing where people are at, Mm -hmm. based upon the the critique you gave them as individuals after the fall season, what they've done in the off season. You know you can tell day one what they've done on the ball. You know, how much they've gone into the racquetball courts and hit the ball off the wall to get their touch a little cleaner to if they've been running and if they've been playing, if they've been playing pickup. You, you know, we can't know that formally in our in our rule set. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, you know that when you see it, you're like, oh, there's there's very little rust compared to what I would think. And, and I mm-hmm. think that that level's gone up every year. You just between just good players being cycled into the program mm-hmm. and how seriously they've taken the offseason are are showing on that first day of spring has just gotten better and better every mm-hmm. year. And I thought it was good this year. And, you know, we had a really tough, uh, sort of next season ending surgery, uh, injury for one of our, one of our players who oh played gosh. a lot of minutes for us this past year. So that was tough. Oh we had a couple gosh. players. So sorry. I hate yeah, to hear yeah, that. She's, of all she's a great kid too. And she'll yeah. be all right. You know, she's, yeah. she's handling about as well as she can, but 
She was having a really good spring before that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we have two players recovering. So they were spending most of the spring doing a lot of non-contact, mm-hmm. a lot of ball work. So you have that. And then just players who either played a lot and were just really trying to sharpen where they were and get a little bit better. And then what I love the spring for is the players who didn't play a lot in the fall to really give a chance to show, okay, here's why I've individually improved. You know, so much of the fall is a whirlwind. You're spending so much time not really paying attention to individuals as much as you are mm-hmm. the team. Mm-hmm. And then the spring, you really get a chance to see where their individual improvement has, has come. Yeah. And we saw a lot of that. We're expecting some players who didn't get as many minutes in the fall to, to produce this this up this upcoming fall because right. they showed that they were able to in the spring. Yeah. Some of it was just discovering a new spot on the field they could play. You know, our, our spring scrimmage was against Misericordia and Dickinson. So we got to see – and they were like us. They were missing players, yeah, you know, yeah. for a broad graduation. But, you know, you put your skeleton crews on the field and play each other. And, again, if you hold up in those games, you know, okay, it's been pretty good. You know, and, and you take as much as you can from, from the tactics. But mm-hmm. more or less you're seeing where the individuals have improved and how they hold up against – sizable and really good competition. That's the main thing in the spring. And then, like I said, the leadership development, the coming together, the chemistry, all of that sort of morphs into one another to be what you're looking for out of your spring. Yeah. Yeah. Spring interests me because I, I, it's pretty clear that good programs use the spring very, very effectively and maybe more so than others in that they it's very the soccer is there but there's so much more to it and and then in the fall you have a you have this cohort of of players who are ready to assimilate in some new folks and then they become your your evangelists and your your you know advocates or however you want to describe it in the locker room um Last question for you. Your recruiting class, what's it look like? Is it done? Were you there recruiting at the tournament for this class, or is this? are you already looking to next year? So next year we're bringing in five. I would say four of them were, like, recruited players, and mm-hmm. one of them is going to be a walk-on who I think has a really good chance to make the team. She mm-hmm. came into the mix late, and, you know, I think she's a really good kid and I think can really help us out, if not on the field, as a, as a phenomenal culture builder and mm-hmm. a teammate but uh of the four that i would consider recruited players two of them i think have a legit chance to get on the field right away mm-hmm. um you know one of them i think is is exactly the kind of player we're looking for along the defensive line you know one is is recovering from an injury so mm-hmm. we'll see how how ready she is but um but overall i think it's a really solid class mm-hmm. you know we're only graduating four uh we had two players who are returning for their fifth year via the mm-hmm. covid waiver yeah yeah. Um, next year is when we're really going to need uh, a large class. We already have five committed for our 2024 class. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's that whole thing is very strange to me still. You know, it's <laughs> it, it committed is, is committed, and Commit, I'm more yeah. excited to have them. They've all done their due diligence. They're tremendous mm-hmm. players and people, mm-hmm. and but the the timeline just keeps moving up for Division Three, and you know the the commitment. Whenever they ask, you know, like. Now that I'm committed, now what? I'm like, well, not really anything. This is more for you. And, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna be excited that we have your word that you're coming in. But they can't even apply to the school yet. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so there's that. But um, for for in regards to coming to um, to PDA to look for 2023s, if there was someone there, we would we would take a look. You know, and then there's this transfer portal that's 
sort of yeah, all the rage right yeah, now. And yeah. if you look into that and you see someone and you want to reach out to them, you do that. Um, oh, we also have a transfer who's coming in. I would mm-hmm. call her a, a first year this year because she mm-hmm. she tr- she was a first year elsewhere. She transferred in, and this upcoming fall will be her first year. So it's well, really did she play where she was? She at? did. She curious. so she was at a Division One school. She was playing uh-huh. club. She had a couple opportunities to play Division Three. She just couldn't find what she wanted. I think yeah. the transition out of COVID and not having her club yeah. team together sort of hindered her. Yeah. But she had a couple of opportunities to play um, Division Three. Um, based when she decided she was going to transfer, and she's a solid player. She had a really good spring for us. You know, she's a great kid, fit in right away yeah. um, with our team, which is not easy because you have this contingent of players who had the entire yeah, fall yeah. to get to know each other. But mm-hmm. going back to your question, I just think this 2023 class is going to have the benefit of, despite being small, um, all being really great people, great character. That's the number one thing we look for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we look for character. We look for high achieving students. And then we look for tremendous athletes and it, and it yeah. is in that or an order of importance for us. Mm-hmm. And they're all five of them really exemplify that. And, you know, two came into the mix really late. You know, we yeah. really swung for the fences on some high level recruits and, and a lot of them said no and are heading division one and division two mm-hmm. and some really like peak level division three. So we, we knew that was a possibility, but we're really excited for this group. And, and what's great for them is, you know, if we're going to have 30, four at preseason there's 29 returners who are all going to be there as uh, yeah. sort of this incredible contingent to, to walk yeah. into yeah yeah um swinging for the fences on on some recruits isn't bad especially the way things are now right yeah. like they might have said no now but hey next year like the way kids are moving around now like, you never know if they might, oh, I'm going to go to Susquehanna now because it, it makes sense for me now for whatever reason, right? So yeah, I mean, you, you can't go into it thinking you're – I say swinging for the fences because of where they ended up more so yeah, yeah. than oh, yeah, the yeah, process. Yeah. No, you that's, know, like, I get that. I get that. Yeah, but yeah. but you every time you have a kid on campus, you think, okay, now we have a chance to get them, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. They start, if, if they come to campus – at minimum, they're they're interested, and if they leave campus and have a good experience and stay in contact, you're really in the mix. Yeah. And if you are coming in second or third to these elite Division threes um, or or D two or D ones, you you tip your cap and move on because yeah. if if it wouldn't have mattered if they had said yes if we didn't think they were of high character. Mm-hmm. But if if you have the opportunity to be close at grabbing yeah. some of these kids with that that cultural addition yeah. to your team as well as unbelievable yeah. on-field play yeah the ones you do get you'll be you'll be excited you'll about be, for sure be, yeah 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 very good coach i said hey 20 20 30 minutes and look what happened here we are on the 38 that's my fault i'm a talker it's all good i appreciate I, it hey this was a great i i really i really enjoyed that there, i i appreciate the the thought that you have in these in in the game and your program and thinking about things that i look at like i said the the four games that you went all of a sudden you you weren't getting the production and goal like yeah that's an interesting turn of how that all works so um thank you very much as always thank you um i will i will send you an email uh with uh when i track down that assistant uh referee and uh, that's well, perfect I, I really want him working our games yeah yeah uh, 
free gear gets you calls. That's what I heard about this guy. He was sick asking for donuts at one point from the parents. I'm so. gonna go. I'm gonna go into our equipment room right now and look for uh, <laughs> look, look for your size. Yeah. Um, hey, this was awesome. Thank um, you. Thanks. Really do appreciate it. I really appreciate everything you yeah. do, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can also find me on anti-social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks. This is a message from my chief marketing officer. I think this keeps him happy.